Are you looking for a great tasting, healthy breakfast cereal? Developed by naturopath and nutritionist and my good mate, Damien Christoph, Forage Cereal is 100% gluten and oat-free, with no processed sugar, preservatives or additives, made with only the highest quality ingredients, and with a range of paleo, vegan and FODMAP-friendly muesli blends, Forage Cereal is bound to make breakfast your favourite meal of the day, if it wasn't already. Well, for a limited time, only for the Wellness Couch listeners, you get 20% off all online purchases over $50. That's right, 20% off off all online purchases over $50. Visit foragecereal.com and enter the code COUCH at the checkout and save. That's www.foragecereal.com and the code COUCH, C-O-U-C-H, at the checkout to save. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. This is The Wellness Guys, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your life. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff, and over the next three weeks, I'm going to be bringing to you three very special episodes from experts that I interviewed at the Bioceutical Symposium in Sydney only a few weeks ago. And I learned so many great things. I learned about vitamin K, I learned about SIBO or SIBO, and I had a great experience with a lovely lady, uh, Dr. Denise Furness, and we spoke about fertility and infertility, genetic mutations, and a whole host of amazing things. I learned a lot from these three interviews, and I hope you do too. These interviews were conducted uh, live in person in Sydney. I didn't have Lawrence and I didn't have Brett, but uh, you can tell they're there in spirit. I hope that you get lots from these interviews. I got lots from them, um, and and I expect that uh, there'll be great feedback from them too. So if you do love them, let us know and uh, leave some comments in our Facebook. Open up some chats and uh, let's let's get this uh, story told and engage um, everyone that you know in this uh, these amazing interviews. Take care, guys. Everybody, it's Damien here again. Uh, Lawrence and Brett have no idea that I've done these. It's the fifth Bioceuticals Research Symposium. Last year, you know, I was here with Cindy O'Meara and we did the David Perlmutter interview, broke uh, some, uh, shattered some myths, put it that way. Deanna Minich, we did all that. That was great. Go back to those previous episodes, so about 12 months ago. But uh, I've done some great interviews already today, but I'm unbelievably excited to be um, interviewing Denise Furness. Uh, Dr. Denise Furness is a real doctor. She's a PhD doctor. We're not talking about the ones that prescribe drugs we're talking about the ones that actually do lots of work and uh, i'm not being disrespectful all of it is uh is real she's she's fair income so um, i'm going to welcome dr denise Furness to the podcast today we're going to be talking about all things fertility nutrigenomic profiling etc etc and it's a really exciting area denise it's great to see you thank you i am uh, excited to be here Denise, um, I didn't realise that we had met before. Your name was always familiar when I was looking at this, saying, oh, you're going to interview Dr. Denise Finesse. And I'm going, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And I knew that I knew you, but mm-hmm. then uh, you walked up to me today and you said, I met you at Natty Congutis' thing, and yeah. Natty's one of our great friends. Yeah. Um, tell us, what are you doing, what have you been doing, and how did you get there? All right, so what I'm doing now is actually consulting yeah. um, with patients and educating doctors and practitioners around nutrigenomics. Um to get to this uh, particular place, I've done a science degree, majoring in molecular biology and biochem, then went on, went on to do an honours in genetics, um, which was great, but I've always you know, been into fitness and diet and health, and I learned about this area of nutrigenomics, and I was like, this is awesome. 
So I moved from Melbourne to Adelaide to work with Professor Michael Fennick, who's like the nutrigenomics guru mm -hmm. here in Australia. And um, yeah, did my PhD with him and was lucky enough to get an NHMRC fellowship and then continued my research um, in obstetrics and gynaecology at the Women's and Children's Hospital with the University of Adelaide. So all this sort of, you know, MTHFR stuff that everyone hears about, mm. but other genes involved in methylation, folate nutrigenomics. And um, yeah, everyone kept telling me they wanted their genes done. And, you know, I was at the hospital. I couldn't sneak people into the lab anymore at CSIRO to take their blood and to do these things. So I thought maybe I should go out and do this stuff. And um, yeah, so for the last four and a half years, I've been out in the clinic and using all this information um, that we have researched and helping people learn about their genes, their diet, their lifestyle, um, and optimising this for fertility and also other chronic health conditions. I thought I'd focus on fertility and women's health, but reality is, you know, lots of people want to know about their genes, and so, yeah, I deal with lots of people wanting to learn about their genes and their SNPs. SNPs. Snips. Snips. It's a great little word. Yeah. Um, I reckon it must be now seven or eight years ago I was first introduced to uh, nutridermic profiling and uh, just through one particular company and uh, and I started using it in my practice and I started to talk to uh, my patients about it and, and what I found really fascinating was that you'd have these uh, snips and there'd be some information about it but you're kind of led to believe that as a result of having these genes and if they happen to have a red light or a green light that would help mm. you determine you know whether or not it was a good or a bad one or you mm. need to be concerned or worried about it and you attempted to be prescribing supplements or um, diet regimes or lifestyle interventions mm. um, because the genes existed now it kind of didn't feel right because I'm vitalist you know like I, I think that the body is pretty intelligent there's ways around things and 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 my understanding now of nutrigenomic profiling is that it's gone I feel it's gone a little bit too far people are testing um, getting a whole list of things they've got to do and now they're taking 50 different tablets every single day because they've got mm. the genes for it are we doing this wrong we are so I'm pretty excited that you feel this way a lot of people that interview me for media want to know about the DNA diet they're like can we do our you know can, if I do my genes can you give me the exact diet to make me you know amazing or fix all of my health issues and it's really not that simple so when we're testing these, these genes we're not looking at disease causing genes we're just looking at genes that code for things like enzymes and and these particular SNPs or genetic variations, small changes can impact on how well that gene or enzyme protein functions. So it's a small change and it's really determined by our environment. So that's what nutrigenomics is. It's that interaction between your genes and the environment, particularly your diet, exposures to chemicals and toxins. So if I give the example of MTHFR, because a lot of people know about MTHFR, some people really freak out. They're like, I've got, you know, this 677TT, I can't metabolise folate, folic acid's toxic, this is why I've had miscarriages, this is why I've had this, da-da-da-da-da, you know, I, I've heard that you, you do this sort of stuff, fix me. And then I have to educate them and say, well, MTHFR really hasn't caused all of these things. Folic acid, you know, in, in theory, I mean, or technically, scientifically, um, folic acid's not toxic for you. What it means is you don't metabolise folate as well. Perhaps you're going to benefit from more natural forms um, so, you know, these, these genes do have an effect, but if you have MTHFR and you eat all your leafy greens, you've got good gut health, you're absorbing your nutrients, folates in heaps of foods, not just green leafy vegetables, legumes, um, avocados. So if you eat real food, these particular genes don't actually play a role. Um, so it's important for people to understand that. It's not like I've got a diagnosis, I've got MTHFR, I have to have all these supplements. Yes, with my, um, preconception patients and pregnancy patients, I will put them on supplements, good quality supplements. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the genes and the SNPs guide me, 
but it really depends on their diet, their lifestyle, and I do other testing alongside the genetics. So your genes tell you about risk. Your risk, your risk for you know low folate with MTHFR is higher, mm -hmm. so you need to have more folate. Your risk with the vitamin D receptor SNPs is that you may not be um, you know, activating some of these vitamin D genes as well. So think about having more vitamin D. Your risk with some of these glutathione transferases um, is that maybe you don't detox as well. So think about, you know, minimizing your exposure. Think about having a diet with lots of things like, you know, sulforaphane and other things that are going to upregulate those genes. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Oh, it's just so good. It's really refreshing because so many people are, f like, scared out of their pants like they're just packing themselves you know i had a I actually had a, a a patient come to my practice and I, I won't say too much about this particular person other than he was told that he had a, a cancer gene a cancer marker i think it was called circulating tumor cell marker tumor necrosis factor no it wasn't no, tnf no, not, no, not even no, not even that not even no, it was a it was a circulating tumor cell mm. count mm. i think that's what it was mm. He was told that he had that, and that as a result, he needed to take, it was nearly $2,500 worth of supplements every single month. Oh, my goodness. This is an integrative GP in Melbourne, practicing in Melbourne, that's doing this because he found one marker that might indicate that there could be a tumor somewhere in his body, and he was scared out of his brains. Now, I'm just, it really frustrates me because the body heals. Mm. The body heals. When we go to Ikaria to look at people that are living to 100 years old, we go to Okinawa and look they're at the Japanese. They're not supplementing, you know. Yeah. They're living a life. In fact, you know, many of them don't even eat fish, so they're not getting omega-3 fatty acids. Mm. You know, some of them don't eat many green leafy vegetables, so they're not really necessarily 100% focused on methylation. Mm. So why did we get it so wrong in Australia? What, mm. what, have we, what have we done so wrong that we've now arrived at a situation where fertility is rise, infertility is rising, mm. but people are starting to find it difficult to fall pregnant, um, we're, we're worried about diseases, and we're now thinking that if we find out what our genes are, we've got the secret to longevity. Mm. So um, a few questions there. I'll try to answer them all, maybe remind me if I forget some. Yes. But the first one is, you know, why is infertility becoming you know, more of an issue? Yep. And one of the biggest reasons is age. Yep. So couples are leaving pregnancy till later on in life because we're busy. Yep. You know, we're trying to study, we're trying to work, we're trying to get established, we've got to buy a house, we've got to do this. We think we've got to do all these things yes. before we have children. Yep. Um, reality is your baby doesn't know what house you live in or how much <laughs> money you have. It's about the love and, you know, as long as you've got a roof over your head, you know, you're feeding them, well, you're breastfeeding anyway, which is free if you breastfeed. Yes. I'm here at the conference yes. with my six-month-old still breastfeeding, on running stage. up and back. Yeah, not on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to leak on stage, is it yesterday? Today. Did you? Yeah. Full? I had one, yeah. one, one uh, quiet, the right breast was, was filling up and getting a bit sore. Um, oh, right. But, you know, it's, you, if you want to have children and you're, in a, and you're in a relationship, don't wait for all of these things. There is never, ever, ever a right time. Nothing is ever perfect. Life is going to throw things at you all the time. So age is a big factor. Stress? Stress is huge. And often the older you get, your stress increases because you've got more bills, more responsibility. So, you know, when you're younger... You know, remember what it was like if for those that went to uni? Oh, my God, how much fun was that? I lived on Ausstudy in a cash-in-hand job at a bar. Same, same. And I had a great time. How good's that? And, you know, the stress <laughs> levels are completely different. Yeah. Um, so age is a big factor. The other thing is the environment you live in. We are exposed to more chemicals than ever. And I don't want to frighten people. It's not that these chemicals are going to cause infertility or cause cancer. 
It's to do, it's a combination of things. If you're not eating a good diet, which provides all these great antioxidants, all of these things like glutathione to help you clear these toxins, and you're exposed to lots of things and you're eating your processed food, not getting the nutrients, getting more chemicals, flavors, preservatives and things from the processed food, that has a huge load on the body. Mm. And some people genetically can't tolerate that. Some people have genetic variations in these important antioxidant genes, these important detoxification genes. And if you're one of those people, you need to make an effort to live a little bit cleaner. I'm not saying crazy, crazy, you know, cut out everything out of your diet, but just make an effort to eat real food. I mean, I'm a real person. I say 80-20, you know, had a glass of wine last night at the gala dinner. No, that's good because yeah. it's got saccharomyces in it, right? So that's beneficial for chewing up <laughs> candida. So, you know, that's a good thing. There it is. Saccharomyces boulardii. Yes, it's a good one. There we go. Even some, um, apparently some research around thyroid I've just heard. Oh, so, right. yeah. Um, but what, yeah. Drinking so, wine? Or Saccharomyces. Saccharomyces boulardii. Okay. <laughs> <Not drinking> <laughs> <wine>. <laughs> or Saccharomyces. That's the that's the yeast that they use for fermentation. So yeah. I've I've been trying to promote the uh, the virtues. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm promoting the wrong thing. Oh, so um, so there are many reasons for that. So you you know leaving it to older age, the stress, mm. the exposure, the crap diet, mm. um, you know even the water we drink. Think mm. about the water you drink. You can get a, a filter at home that doesn't cost very much money. Actually, we got one from Australia, um, in Queensland. Someone just asked me the brand. I think it was. Called Australian filters or something, reverse osmosis, add in the, the thing so you get all your minerals and all of a sudden you've got clean water. You're not drinking the chlorine, the fluoride and all these things that are put in the water. Yeah. Um, I use a Zazen. Have you seen the Zazen ones? No. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just like a little tank. It looks like a fish tank. Oh, it's got the rocks at the it's bottom. got the rocks at the bottom. It's got the triple filtration, you know, all that sort of stuff. I love it. And they donate um, a filter to a school if you buy one. So it's buy one, give oh. one, right? So that means that schools are now getting fresh water because we're buying them. So yeah, I, I use a Zazen one. They're great. So that's amazing. Think about those children. And, and when we talk about fertility, leaving it um, to an older age, it's not just that you're getting older. It's not the age. It's what's happening during your lifetime. Because as a child, you're drinking these waters. You're exposed to more things. The other thing is that some people are born... Um, or some females, as I discussed here at this um, biocidical symposium, some people are born females with less eggs than what they possibly should have because of the mother's diet. If you are stressed in pregnancy, uh, many of you might have heard about these epigenetic regulations or DOHAD, um, the development origins of disease. There's heaps of research around this, the influence of the mother's diet and lifestyle. This can inf in, um, influence the fetal development and also the number of eggs, that ovarian reserve. So if you start out in life with less eggs, um, less quality eggs, and then also you have not the best lifestyle, your ovarian reserve, the eggs that the woman has, decreases a lot quicker for some than others. So there's multiple reasons. Also for guys, um, semen, sperm cells are highly, highly um, sensitive to oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is something that happens naturally in the body from metabolism, but also from um, cigarette smoking, alcohol, exposure to chemicals and pollutants. And um, we have found now there's research that you can look up on PubMed or, or Google, Google Scholar, um, that it looks like semen parameters, which includes, you know, the motility, so how well they swim, morphology, um, you know, the, the count. We're finding that these semen parameters are actually decreasing over time in developed countries. So it's not just the girls. It, you know, the guys have a huge influence as well, and sadly, um, their sperm is just not as good as it used to be. So you were talking about these people out in sort of, you know, these um, sort of more remote areas, maybe not eating fish, not having supplements. They're probably not exposed to all these things. They're probably not having the same stress that we are. So there's so many things that influence this. Um, 
You know, for example, with MTHFR, we know that MTHFR influences folate metabolism. There's a high population of the genetic variation or the SNPs in Mexico, and we see a higher um, frequency of neural tube defects. Mm -hmm. But in Italy, lower Italy, southern Italy, the same thing, a higher frequency of genetic SNPs, but we do not see a higher increase in neural tube defects. Actually, it's a lower frequency compared to other countries. Yeah. Why is that? They're eating salads. They're getting wine from, you know, their local vineyard. They're not putting preservatives in it. They're eating real food. Eating bread. Yeah, eating bread that they made, not Seriously, the bread that we right. have processed. Yes, yes. And, you know, I don't know, maybe they have siestas in the day. I'm not sure. They're not being that. paleo, though, are they? They're not being paleo, but they're eating real food. Real food. It's, they don't have to call it paleo no. because they're just eating the stuff you should eat. Yes, but that could include rice. That mm. could include pasta. They're yes. making it themselves. Yes. This is the key thing, right? Yep. So I think we've moved too far. We've moved closer to diagnosis mm. and further away from nature. And and it's a, I think that's a big problem. Mm. Um, now, I think... I think that's unreal. But mm. what I think a lot of people struggle with is that seemingly very unhealthy people mm. seem to fall pregnant pretty easy. What's the go with that? So um, back in my research days, I've worked in um, two hospitals, mm -hmm. um, one in a lower socioeconomic area, and there were sort of younger, you know, girls having babies, you know, not even in a settled relationship, some of them even smoking cigarettes, yeah. which is devastating when you're working with someone who, you know, is in their late 30s, early 40s, doing everything they can. Yeah. This is getting back to age. Mm -hmm. You know, think about, you know, children, how quickly they recover if they fall over and, you know, cut their knee. And basically, your cells are, you know, need to divide and replicate. Your body's always regenerating. The younger you are, the better you do it. There was an analogy once I heard from, actually, I think it was Michael Fennick, and he was talking about, you know, your DNA. And he was saying that as time, you know, things are getting replicated, DNA synthesis is happening all the time. He said, think about a photocopier. You know, and as time goes on and on and on, you're getting all these little little things, you know, exposure to the sun, UV radiation, DNA damage, this, you've been drinking, you've all these kind of things. Eventually, those photocopies is really faint. You're not getting that good print, that good copy you did initially. Mm. So as time goes on, um, sadly, we're aging, and aging influences lots of things, including fertility. So often when you are talking about these people that fall pregnant um, without trying, Age is generally a big, big factor, and they're you know they're not they're not practicing safe sex, they're not really being very responsible, they're falling pregnant. So it is very difficult for um, those that are putting all of that you know effort into it. But just know for you that out there that are making these changes, when you do fall pregnant, you're going to have a healthier child, and their risk of lifelong diseases, diabetes, chronic disease, obesity is going to be reduced because of that great diet you had when you were pregnant. That's the plus. That's the plus. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a positive. There's a positive. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, um, Denise, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of discussion. We'll go back to the nutrigenomic thing. Uh, we've looked at nutrigenomics recently. We've looked at physiogenomics recently, mm. uh, which I find fascinating. What sort of exercise is good for your genes? Oh, fitness person too. Ooh, there mm. we go. And uh, and. What, there was there was another another genetic profiling thing that seems to be becoming more and more popular. Now you mentioned before that it's good to get that information because it is you know let's face it, it is unless you're a high highly anxious person who if they receive any kind of information will you know stress out on it. This information can be very very useful mm. as information. Mm -hmm. What's the next step after you've had your SNPs done? So generally, I wouldn't do genetic testing or SNPs straight off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm known for the genetics and that's my background, people usually do come to me for genetics, but I would tell them to get some, you know, what I call the basic blood test. Go and get, you know, your full blood count, your liver enzymes, your vitamin D, your folate, your zinc, all those kind of things. Um, 
And then once you've got your the basic bloods too, you can find out, well, is the MTHFR having effect, an effect? No, my folate's okay. You know, is there an issue with my vitamin D? So I, the way that I practice, I'm never trying to deliver um, sort of bad news or freak anyone out. It's always about I'm empowering you. We all have strengths and weaknesses. Every single person has genetic variations. You know what you're good at and you've got some things that maybe you're not doing so well and this is what you can do to improve it, you know, with your diet, etc. Depending on the patient, if they just wanted to know about, you know, optimal health and they're relatively healthy, we might sort of go off from there. They may come back to me and talk to me about, you know, some dietary things. Also exercise. I do a lot with exercise. I'm involved in the fitness industry as well. So, but if someone's unwell, like for, for example, a fertility patient who, you know, can't get pregnant, there would be a whole sort of host of things that we would do along with the genetics. If they've got gut issues, we're going to do stool testing. Have a look at that, that bacterial population. Are they missing out on bifidobacterium or all the good stuff? Is there, you know, a high frequency of the bad bugs? Um, do they have an infection, you know, a gut infection? We might want to look at something called urine metabolites or organic acids um, and environmental pollutants. So we can do these sort of urine tests and find out levels of, you know, benzenes, phthalates, uh, parabens. These are endocrine disruptors. Important. These that's affect important. PCOS, endometriosis, fertility. Why? Okay, this is <laughs> this is amazing because the people out there, a lot of the people listening to this podcast may or may not have, in, in fact, most of them won't have an integrative GP. I've never heard of anybody doing urine testing for endocrine disruptors in around phthalates, benzos, all the chemicals that we keep on talking about, you know, we're surrounded by them, women wipe them on their body all the time, all the time, and we don't know whether or not they're methylating them, clearing them out, detoxifying them, or anything, but you can test for it. Why doesn't it? Okay, let's not ask that question. But people have got access to this sort of testing. Yeah, yep. So here in Australia, so you can have this testing done. Of course, everything comes at a cost. So um, here at the symposium, people were asking me, you know, how much this costs, and there were issues for some of the practitioners. People can't afford it. Um, I'm in a clinic in Brighton, um, and people are generally very motivated by the time they come to see me. So there's really no issue in testing. I um, am thankful that I can do this with my patients because there's no guesswork. Um, if you were going to sort of do genetic testing, it might be three, four hundred dollars. Organic acids, the urine metabolites, might be three hundred dollars. Stool testing is another three hundred. So you know, it adds up and it adds up. But when you think about you know what IVF can cost. And, and the benefits you get from this, even some of my patients may not fall pregnant naturally. They might go off and have IVF. But assuming they do get pregnant, they're in a much healthier state, more likely to sustain that IVF pregnancy. And again, you're improving the health of your future child. So, you know, all of this testing is important. You're working with people that, you know, are struggling to get pregnant. We want to know why. We're trying to find all of these clues. What's going on in your body? And then you can educate the person. Okay, you've got some genes that mean you're not detoxing well and you've got high benzene. So, you know, you know that you are more sensitive to benzene than someone else. You're going to have to consider this for the rest of your life for optimal health, fertility, cancer. I don't really talk about cancer because I don't like to worry people, but reality is, you know, these chemicals are associated with cancer. So, you know, if you do have these things, benzene's in um, car exhaust fumes. You know, I have had some patients move, move from inner city suburbs out to the country. And that's what some people need to do because they are more sensitive. However, there are people that are genetically very tolerant of some of these chemicals. They've got great genes when it comes to antioxidants, great genes when it comes to um, detoxification, but maybe they've got some things somewhere else. You know, maybe they've got some stuff with, you know, collagen and tissues and, you know, don't recover well from exercise. So we all have our strengths and weaknesses and um, the genetics can tell you that 
and you never have to do your genes again. You'll understand what you're good at, what maybe you need some work at, and then you put these things in place to work out, well, is this affecting me right now? We can do some testing. And the great thing with the um, urine metabolites, the organic acids and some of these you know, gut tests is we can do these multiple times and monitor your progress. So I can say to someone, like a case study I did yesterday, you know, stop using plastic and microwaving this plastic because you've got sky-high phthalates. People, do people still do that? People sadly still do that. People still use microwaves? And plastic in the microwave. Come on. So three months later, we can see her phthalates come down. You know, so this was a woman who had three miscarriages, then had a child with autism, came to see me, tried to reduce the risk of, um, you know, having another child with autism, and one of the things we found was phthalates, along with other things. And in three months' time, those phthalates are coming down. Mm. So... Um, That's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and people, the I think... The body heals, right? The body heals. She had, a pregnant, she had a baby four months later, a beautiful, healthy girl. Great. Yeah. Great. Oh, this is very exciting. So I'm thinking of some people that I know of that um, have had babies uh, when they were younger, and have uh, had multiple pregnancies along the way but can't hold on to the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, now, also know that these people uh, live very high stress mm -hmm. and, uh, and also wear um, lots of cosmetics. Mm, could, could this be a problem? So what happens in pregnancy is that baby sucks all of those nutrients. You know, for lack of a better term, and I was said this when I was pregnant the first time, and it's true, the baby is like a parasite. It is going to take everything from you. I say that. So... <laughs> Often what we see is that someone can get pregnant the first time. Yep. You know, they're younger. You know, the nutrient levels are there. You know, vitamin B12, you know, if you've got good stores, it takes quite a while to, to sort of, you know, to, to decrease. But the baby can take all of these things, your B12, your iron, and it may take a while to build those things up. And then if you've had a baby and you're not sleeping and you're stressed and all these kind of things, this can influence your fertility down the track. Mm. So you really need to work hard with your nutrition after you've had a child because it is quite common to, to have that first baby and then not be able to have a baby later on because you are quite depleted. Yeah. Um, I personally, and this is how I work with Nat, um, I had a miscarriage after my... So with my first child, I wasn't even trying. Mm -hmm. That was an accident, but the best accident of my life. Good. Um, and then I tried. I had a marina, which I probably shouldn't have even had a marina, but, you know, as you do took that out, fell pregnant instantly without even having a cycle. So maybe things weren't ready, but had a miscarriage, ended up seeing Nat mm -hmm. and, you know, going through Chinese medicine. I'm like, wow, crazy, crazy, crazy. So that sort of, you know, helped balance things, brought me back down to, to earth, reduced my stress. I'm someone that has to work at these things too. I reduced my hours, um, became a lot stricter with how much I was working when you have family time. And then thankfully I've had my little girl at 38, mm -hmm. naturally mm -hmm. with no help, no issues, um, but I did have to make changes too. And the stress, I think for me, my biggest issue, because I do eat relatively well most of the time, mm -hmm. but my stress goes through the roof. Yeah. And, you know, people need to focus on that as well, not just your supplements. There's no point taking all these supplements if you're not addressing your stress. Yeah. And you know, if you've got gut issues, you might just be, you know, you're not absorbing these things. And your liver, you spoke about someone that was getting $2,500 worth of supplements a month. Out of control. Think your body has to break these down. There's excipients. There are things in these capsules and tablets that may not be good for you. So consider what you're putting in your body. Real food, real food, real food, and then have a little top up with the supplements. And, you know, unless you're pregnant and you're supplementing throughout or, you know, preconception and then during pregnancy, because I say to uh, supplement throughout pregnancy, mm -hmm. The general person, even myself, who knows all this with, you know, nutrients and supplements and has access to all these wonderful supplements because companies are always giving them to me. They want me to, to um, you know, support their brand and sell them. I only take them transiently every now and again. You know, if I'm feeling a little low, there's a high stress or, you know, and I'll think, well, maybe I need some bees, maybe I need some zinc. And, you know, it's something that I, 
I use when I need it, and then I stop. You shouldn't be on supplements all the time. That's my opinion. That's the end of the podcast. No, I'm joking. That's the best news ever because I say that too. And, uh, and not that I'm looking for people to, you know, agree with what I'm talking about, but there, there's definitely not, and I'm, I'm not anti-supplementation. Mm. It's just that it's not my number one thing. Clean, healthy living, stress mm. reduction. Stress is three forms, right? So we're talking about emotional stress. We're talking about physical stress that's sitting down all the time. And then we're talking about chemical stress. Mm. And so these three stressors cause, in a chiropractic sense, because I'm a chiropractor, cause mm. this thing called subluxation, which is interference to the body. Yes. And so we're talking now about the reduction of interference. Mm. And that's through lifestyle, not through putting more things in necessarily, mm. but by cleaning things up and I really really like that approach it's a really nice vitalistic naturopathic holistic clean way of life I love it thanks this is really good Denise we've still got some time to go so I'm going to ask you a few more questions go for it when someone's uh, wanting to investigate um, their fertility options maybe they're 35 mm. um, they've struggled to fall pregnant um, husband and wife they, they might go get some tests um, and then you know, they've got they've got some information. What's the best thing for them to do? First up, mm. do they need to go and have a consultation with somebody, mm. or can they make some changes first? Mm. So, if someone came to me and said, "I'm 35 and I'm worried about getting pregnant," I'd say, "Oh my God, you've got plenty of time." Yeah. You know, don't look at these statistics that says your fertility drops at 30, and at 35 it's way down. And that's I th- what they say. Yeah, I think I had someone tell me I haven't read this, but you know, they were told that at, possibly by a fertility specialist. Um, that her fertility was at 5% at 35 and it would be less than 2% when she was 40. Where I was thinking, that from? I was like, <laughs> most, not even just my patients, oh, my friends. Okay. So, you know, I have, I have a large circle of friends from high school and university. We've all had babies later. Yep. And I think out of us, there's probably really only been one person, you know, let's just say 10 people, you know, 35 to 40 yep. um, having babies. And there's only one that needed, you know, some, it's not everyone has issues falling pregnant. Yes, it's more common and yes, we hear about it because of things like age, but it doesn't mean you can't get pregnant. You just might have to work a little harder. So if someone was 35 and said, what should I do? I would not say go and see a fertility specialist because they might freak you out. Mm-hmm. Possibly see a fertility nurse. Mm-hmm. A fertility nurse can have a little look. Is there anything structurally going on? Do we need to clean out your tubes? There could be something like a blockage or something, you know, the, the um, eggs not coming through. So maybe see a fertility nurse, check things out there. Maybe if you're really worried about your husband, he could do a semen analysis. Guys hate giving those samples, though. It's you know, you're, it's like you're testing their manhood, and it's really hard it's to deliver. So re- yeah, a female seems to be able to take a lot of this on board a little better. She yep. wants to make changes. Yep. Nothing against guys, um, but I think they. It's like you're 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 judging them and their manhood and their manliness when you tell them there could be issues with their semen. So you're less of a man if you haven't got good numbers, right? That's what they say. Oh, I think that's- <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, is it? That's you know, crazy. it's so common. Men have got uh, reduction in morphology or mm. changes in morphology, reduction in numbers. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have got blunt heads. You yeah, know, it's but this it's common. But there's millions and millions of there, and you just need some successful ones. You just got to get through. But you got to yeah. find out first. Yeah. Can't guess. Yes. So I would say, you know, first off, you know, think about your lifestyle. Are you sitting all day? We are not made to sit. Get up and move. It doesn't mean you have to do high intensity exercise, but we we should be moving. It helps with detoxification. It helps, you know, just with your bowel movements. You know, everything is moving when you are moving. So you don't want to be sitting and being sluggish. Um, so incorporate some exercise, you know, the kind of exercise that you like. Do you want to do yoga? Do you want to do intervals? You know, whatever your body can tolerate. Yeah. Um, you know, think about diet. Think about stress, you know, possibly, you know, more mindfulness, meditation. Mm. I can't talk about that much because I'm not very good at it, but I try. Are you doing? Are you going to do mindful in May? 
with uh, with um, Dr. Bailey? Yes. No, so you're, you're not. Talking about Mind, the Mind Conference. No, no. There's, a, there's a thing called Mindful in May. Oh no. And so they raise funds for water oh. in impoverished countries. Oh. Amazing, amazing. And so Elise Bailey, she's a GP in Brighton. Mm. And uh, it's amazing we just don't bump into these people, right? Yeah, we're in Brighton. Oh, no, we're all in Brighton. And uh, and so she started this thing called Mindful in May. And so mm. for the whole month of May, you practice 10 minutes of mindfulness per day. That's it. Oh, but you go and raise money. that's so good for me. Okay, so that's great. I'm the kind of person that needs... You know, I, I'm so busy and I'm doing so many things. I find it difficult to include new things, even though I'm telling my patients to do all this stuff. But <laughs> I do yeah. most of it. It's just the meditation mindfulness is something that I do struggle with because I'm trying to do generally 10 things at once. I'm with you. As a mother here at the conference, feeding and talking and, you know. I can't do that. <laughs> no, you can't. But um, I think that's fantastic. And for the listeners out there, if you're like me, sometimes this is the kind of thing we need because it's like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, 10 minutes for May, you know. Mm. So I think that's wonderful. Mm. Um, more people need this. We sometimes we don't just stop and you know think uh, stop and you know relax and stop our brain from working we're just you know 100 miles an hour da, 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 da. You it's are. not good you um, are yeah. you, you get you get uh, speeding fines walking into a place so uh, <laughs> uh, this has been absolutely fantastic Denise thank you so much for your time um, it's really great to reconnect with you and I look forward to catching up with you more in Brighton uh, we'll go to our local coffee shop and uh, and catch up and chat more but uh, for everybody who's listening to this podcast where can people find out more information about you so um, I'm just finishing up maternity leave I'm doing Skype consults from home um, you can find me at um, or you can email me at drdenise at genenutrition.com.au my website's been currently updated but that's um, your genes and nutrition that's my business and I will be returning to your health in Brighton um, pretty soon so if you want to see me in the clinic I'll be there that's fantastic and if you are stuck of course contact me at Vita Lifestyles and I can put you in touch with Denise too so um, this has been fantastic for uh, for everybody who's interested in Keen make sure you go and check out those links and uh, let everybody know that we've done this podcast because this is one of the best ones we've done in 2017 so um, share it share the love tell everybody that you know who's uh, interested with nutrigenomic profiling and of course uh, fertility and fertility thank you so much Denise for joining us thank you that's it for another edition of the wellness guys i hope you enjoyed this interview it's uh, been a pleasure uh, having these interviews and and bringing them live to you from the symposium here at bioceuticals in sydney i've had a great time i hope you've learned a lot now make sure you go to our facebook page facebook.com the wellness guys and tell us what you thought of this episode please share the podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a, need a wellness update and of course, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and give us a comment. We'd love comments. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.